Today on the Midweek Move, we talk about the little city that Paul made a big deal about. Hello and welcome to the Midweek Move, the podcast where we take a look at the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and we ask ourselves, what does it mean in context, and how does it actually apply to our lives today? And ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited because today, our lead pastor, Scott Etheridge, and I are going to be diving into the book of Colossians. Uh, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. I, you know, this is one of those things that we've talked about in Midweek Move. One thing I love about the Midweek Move is that when we initially started it, it mm-hmm. was because, hey, we want something in the middle of the week. We were kind of coming out of pandemic a little bit, but right. sort of not. And mm-hmm. and things were still kind of weird. And it was like, man, we just really feel like there's a need right. uh, to go line by line. Man, let's just open up the scriptures in the middle of the week. Let's take a deep dive. Man, let's just... Uh, whoever's listening or watching, man, they can follow along and we'll just kind of take a deep dive. Let's have a conversation about the scriptures, basically. Yeah. And of course, we started with the elephant, the book of Acts, (laughs) man. We were just like 28, (laughs) you know, just we're going to take this journey for weeks. And we did. Oh, yeah. We went, we had guests that were remote. We had guests that were in studio. We had, um, sometimes I wasn't even in the building. Sometimes you weren't. It's like, we had all these different people, lots of different voices. It was amazing. We had men, women. We had people from all different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. We had some pastors, some parachurch ministry leaders. We had uh, people that just serve in churches. Like we had all that. And then we're like, okay, how are we going to follow that up? <laughs> and what we found is we just kind of found this pl- this landing place of, man, let's just have a conversation about some stuff that, that's going on right now. Right. And so we kind of took that journey a little bit and uh, kind of through resurrection and out of resurrection, and we're having discussions about that. And then you and I were talking, we were like, man, like, what do we do? Right. And I don't know why, but it was just like, man, let's let's go into Colossians. Yeah. There wasn't like a major purpose for it, but there was something in me that was just like, this sounds right. Right. And I think your intro said it all, mm-hmm. that the little place that Paul made a big deal out of, and yeah. I think it's a great entry point for Colossians. You did a fantastic job last week with that opener of just, hey, here's the whole book of Colossians. Here's mm-hmm. kind of some of the things to think about. You did a fantastic job uh, on that. And I love the fact of a couple of things we're going to get to take care of today that's not just about history, mm-hmm. but it's also about where we're living personally. Yeah, you absolutely. know, our own personal lives. God cares about where we're at. Right. We may feel small. <laughs> uh, we are small right. in the grand scheme of everything. Right. But Only a yet, vapor. <laughs> but yet God still makes a big deal about us. Exactly. He still created us in his own image. He still has something to say to us. He cares about us. He loves us. Right. He wants to use our lives. Um, and so I think that uh, there are a ton of lessons that we're going to be able to learn just in this first chapter. Absolutely. And so we're going to dive into this, and we encourage you guys. We're not going to read this line by line like we typically do. We're going to break it down a little bit more, and we want to invite you guys. Open your own Bible after yep. you listen to us and read it yourself. Take some notes as you listen to us. If you have some questions that take place in the text that maybe we don't cover, reach out to us. We had some great feedback last week. People asking some questions that we're going to try to answer for you guys over the next few weeks. Yep. Uh, we want to have this be a back forward. This isn't just us throwing things into the atmosphere. We want to do life with you guys. We want to communicate with you. We want to help you take your next step with your relationship with God. You know, one thing that I, I do, Dallas, especially mm-hmm. like in Bible study podcasts and stuff like that, mm-hmm. is I just listen to it. Right. 
right off. Sure. And if it's on a book, I don't necessarily follow along line by line. I just listen, take right. it in. And like you said, I take a few notes. Right. Then I go back and read it for myself Yeah. with the context of the notes and what was being discussed. And that mm-hmm. seems to bring out a lot more to me when I, when I read that. Totally. So the opening of the book, verses one through eight, it's kind of Paul's intro to it. And one of the things that stands out to me is, is right there in verse one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. And to me, the, this stuck out to me because it's an example of just the humbleness of Paul. Yep. He's Paul, an apostle. He's one apostle of many people. and um, Not uh, the apostle. Not the apostle. That's right. But an apostle. And this is his level of bringing authority because we talked about this in the pre-show and we talked about this also last week was um, Paul didn't start this church. Like this was a, somebody else started this church and now he's having the opportunity to come in to bring some correction. So he has to go, hey, I'm Paul and I'm an apostle. I have some level of authority, but he's bringing some care to this. He brings some humbleness to it. And um, you you have opportunity. You go into places that aren't necessarily your house. <laughs> and right. You speak. How do you bring that 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 authority? Because you operate in a prophetic gifting and other things, but also with humbleness. How do you keep that check and balance for yourself? Yeah, I think for me, um, when I go into a place that's maybe not the healing place, or I go into a, a church, or uh, and you know this that that I have served in in different areas of leadership. Um, for other churches, right. not on staff or anything like that, but more of like an advisor. Right. Um, hey, would you pray about this? Or whether it was a personal relationship with a pastor, maybe. Right. Hey, I, I'd really love to use you as a sounding board. And anytime that I go in, one thing that I never try to do is go in talking. Mm. <laughs> I always try to go in listening. And I think that even Paul in this letter, it's things that he's heard. Yeah. You know, a lot of times when we, when we read, Paul's letters, one of the things he says a lot is that I have heard, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. And what he's saying is, I have been listening to how you've been serving the Lord. Right. People have been testifying. They've been talking about what God is doing through you. And also they've been talking about how you've gotten off path, right? Yeah. And I think that sometimes we look at Paul's letters and we tend to think, man, he's just coming in and he's talking right away. But he is always listened first right. before he sends a letter. Exactly. He's already heard. And so I, I think it's important that when you talk about humility, he's not coming with the business card going, I'm the apostle. Right. He's simply almost giving them an indicator of what this letter is, how this letter is going to unfold. Yeah, totally. Because he doesn't use this same terminology in every single letter. No. Now, he does use it a lot, Yeah. but he doesn't use it in every single letter. Sometimes it's Paul, a bondservant, right. along with so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. Right. Sometimes it's Paul, an apostle. Sometimes it's Paul, a brother. Right. And it's almost like he's given an indication in the writing of... Hey, I'm coming to you. I'm going to cheer you on. Yeah, yeah. We're buddies. We're friends. I'm in this with you. It's a bond servant. And then other times, it's like Paul, an apostle. Hey, I love you guys, but th- man, there's some things that I'm going to have to deal with in this letter that are going to help you. Totally. And he's kind of giving them an indicator. And I love the fact that he says, and Timothy, our brother, mm. you know, you and I talked about this pre-show mm-hmm. is that 
a lot of people believe that Timothy was actually the scribe right. for this letter. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the reasons why Paul just doesn't mention Timothy because everybody knows who he is, mm-hmm. because not everybody did know who Timothy was. Right. Now, there were, there were regional knowledge of Timothy, but not everybody knew who Timothy was. He was a younger guy. Paul was raising him up. He was a spiritual father to Timothy, Paul was. Right. And, and here he says, and Timothy, our brother, almost giving an indication of, hey, I'm saying these things, he's writing those things. Right. And so that would make a lot of sense to me that Timothy was the scribe of yeah. this actual letter. And I know there's some contention of, you know, was this Paul? Was it not? Was mm-hmm. this? And you covered it very clearly last week that, mm-hmm. yes, we can't say with 100% <laughs> absolute, but if it's not 100%, it's 99%. Yeah, this the evidence Paul. is there. That's right. <laughs> the writing style, the wording, a lot of the things he talks about. Right. Um, uh, in the original language, a lot of that is the same original language in a lot of his other letters. So I agree with you. The way that he intros this is, it seems simple and we could read right past it. Mm-hmm. But if you really look at what it's saying, there's layers upon layers just in his introduction. Absolutely. Just in that one sentence he's we could, saying. We could a probably lot. do a whole show just on this intro that he has here. No doubt. About who they are. Because he's not just talking about himself, but he's also admonishing who they are as individuals. He's proud of their faith. He's proud of what they've been doing. Yep. And then he goes on from doing that to encourage them to continue to grow. Uh, verse 12 specifically, he says, um, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us uh, to be partakers with the inheritance of the saints. I want to ask you a question about this, because this is part of his encouragement to them. Uh, why is Paul giving thanks to God who qualified the people? Like, why, why are we giving thanks for God qualifying these people? Well, it goes back to Paul's, not routine, but mm-hmm. it goes back to Paul's... Um, I don't know what the word is, but the way that he always dealt with people, it didn't matter if it was bad or good. He right. always gave thanks to the Lord. Right. Always. Right. Intro, ending. Right. It was always grace to you. Peace be to you. He right. ends it. Grace to you. Peace exactly. be to you. And in between those bookends, mm-hmm. there's always Thanksgiving. Yeah. Because he's the same guy right. that's saying, in everything, give thanks. Right. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. He's modeling that. Exactly. And so when he begins to to give thanks here, and again, this kind of goes back to what's going on in that area. You know, Classe, possibly, and, and most probably the smallest city that he's approaching as far as speaking to right from everything that we can see sure it seemed minuscule it seemed very insignificant it wasn't the ephesus right it wasn't philippi it wasn't corinth at all it was not (laughs) this major port and all this stuff is happening now historically it does say that it was prosperous at one time but not a mega city correct it never was this mega hub and, you know, in my study, one thing that I thought was interesting is that they were famously known for their fabric dye, right? which was a huge deal back then. Yeah. You didn't just dip fabric in something and be like, there was a process to it, right? which, by the way, you can take the word sanctification and you can take the word washed by the blood. Mm-hmm. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament oh, Hebrew terminology of being dipped. Really? The fabric being dipped and the, and, and the dye would get into the threads of the fabric, mm-hmm. and it could not be taken out. Wow. 
that it was dipped in that dye in such a way that it immersed every single thread of that fabric or that garment. Mm. And that's where we get the washing of the blood being washed in the blood dipped. Right. Well, they're known for that. Yeah. Yeah. Colossae is known for this. So when Paul's talking to them about preeminence, about sanctification, Mm -hmm. about Jesus being the preeminent, about everything being focused on Jesus, about the blood of Jesus, it literally goes back to even what this city is known for. Because again, that wording goes back to that same thing. When he talks about being immersed, Mm -hmm. when he talks about the word fullness, All those have meanings in the Greek and then even going back to the Hebrew right. that would make sense to these people because of where they're from. Totally. And I think we forget God speaks to us in terminology that makes sense to us yeah. because we're from Shreveport, Louisiana. Exactly. Right? So we're reading something and the Lord shows us something in it. And sometimes it will have to do with your region, your city, something that makes sense to you. Totally. And God is so good that way. And so when he's like, when he's giving thanks, mm-hmm. it all goes back to not just who they are as people, but where they're from, mm-hmm. where did they get the gospel, right? Right. So we've talked about um, uh, Epaphras bringing the gospel. He brought the gospel there. Right. What, uh, not absolute, but possibly he heard Paul's message in Ephesus, Acts 19. Right. Right. So he hears that word, boom, he comes back, brings the gospel, which goes back to what you said. Paul didn't necessarily bring the gospel here, but he's an influence because he had an influence on whoever did bring the gospel. Exactly. He was a spiritual father, quote unquote, right. to that person who brought the gospel. And so, and then last, again, not hearkening back totally, but but you did talk, to, talk about the Gnostics mm-hmm. last week and Gnosticism and mm-hmm. kind of what was going on. And so... In verse 12, when he's saying, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints mm-hmm. in the light, which in the light to them with the, with the what we would probably consider New Ageism mm-hmm. of Gnosticism right. and mysticism, mm-hmm. light was a word that could be misconstrued to actually those who were functioning in darkness. Right. And that's why he delineates saints. He says saints, right. believers, right. those that are blood-bought, sanctified, right. rather than a New Age mysticism of light, right. angels of light, mm-hmm. right? Angels are better than Jesus, or this is, which we know about Gnosticism is mm-hmm. that Jesus wasn't the divine. He wasn't the only way. He wasn't the one true. Right. He was one of many divine beings yeah beings or powers yeah absolutely yeah yeah yeah. but it also it it notes the fact that this is the will of the father to see us saved like he's the one that did the qualifying yep for us and though then we continue on verse 13 he has delivered us from the power of the darkness and conveyed us and some say to confirm us or to bring us into uh the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have the redemptive uh, redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins. So it was the Father's will for us to be saved. He has a desire for us, but it's through Jesus that we've had the salvation. Yep. And what we have in these early heresies is the Jesus wasn't that important necessarily yep. in our redemption type of aspect. Yet he's he's building that sort of that case up of the supremacy of Christ. He is essential in these aspects. And it's interesting because he starts off by saying that um, he was an apostle by the will of God. And now he's talking about how God qualifies us. He is starting this through line all the way through. Goes, nothing happens outside of who 
God is and what God's will is for us as individuals. Because what we have is we have these people trying to push this secret knowledge yep. to salvation. Yep. Or there's this extra work you have to do for salvation. Even to the point of him giving thanks. Right. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Exactly. Not just the will of God, but in Christ Jesus. That's the quantifier. Exactly. Because, again, Gnosticism is not unlike many religions today. Mm-hmm. They include Jesus. Right. But he's not the only way. Exactly. He's not the son of God. He's not divine. Right. He's not, he's not the center of everything. It's not in him that we live and we move and we have our being. Right. It's in divine powers. Right. Right? Divine powers. And there's layers of that. Right. Because ultimately, this is even known historically as the Colossian heresy. Mm. So the Colossian heresy was Gnosticism, which, which just from my study, seemed to be kind of a corruption of mystical, legalistic Judaism right. with Gnosticism and a bit of Christianity thrown exactly. in there. This wasn't pure Gnosticism, which in no. itself is, is so much to it, but it's, a, it's an early form of Gnosticism that started yep. to creep into uh, the early church that was, it was almost an amalgam of different things at different times. Which, when you go to the definition of Gnosticism, makes total sense. Absolutely. It was levels. Right. Levels of divine powers. <laughs> and I don't know if you've seen this. I, know, I mean, I know you study this a lot, but there are tons of theologians that try to just say, this is Gnosticism. Right. No, 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 no. no. This, was, this was a merging, and that's why Paul makes such a point mm. to bring every single thing back to Jesus. Right. His preeminence. His redemption, he is the son of God, it is the will of God. I mean, all of that, he's doing that because it's not just straight Gnosticism. Right. It is a distortion of all these different things. And I believe Paul's even doing a, a service to, to Judaism mm. in the way he deals with this. Mm-hmm. Because he's even rejecting the fact that Judaism would be a part of this belief system. Yeah. Because Judaism wasn't duil- uh, duality. Right. It was one true God. Right. It's it's not dual gods. There aren't there aren't multiple gods. There isn't you know, it's it's not gods plural. Mm-hmm. It is the one true God. Right. So even as he's pointing everything to Jesus, he's still even going, look, this isn't even Judaism. Right. <laughs> this <laughs> mystical version of, and it's not really Gnosticism. This is a perversion, mm-hmm. which I believe is why many interpreted it and then it became known as the Colossian heresy. Yeah. I can totally see that. I can totally see that. So he he's started this whole thing. And now he, so he's starting to lay out this thing because one of the big complaints that are one of the big heresies was the the devalue of who Jesus is, which we have that a lot today. Oh. There are a lot of of uh, I would call cults who um, they devalue the position authority of Christ in the in the church and in the lives of the believer. And here Paul he's actually answering that. He goes, let me show you how big of a deal Christ is. Yep. Jesus is in, in life. And so 15 through 17 is what we call the, would be the, the supremacy of Christ in, in creation. Now you had some thoughts on verse 15 specifically with that. Yeah. Where it says he is the image of the invisible God. Mm-hmm. Now we could kind of read past this and go, Oh, that's kind of a cool saying. Mm-hmm. But when we realize that the word translated image, the ancient Greek word is, is uh, like icon, E I con E I K O N. And that is expressed in two ideas, likeness and manifestation. Right. So likeness is kind of in the image like that's on a coin, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe a reflection in a mirror. Okay. Where manifestation 
with the sense that God is fully revealed in Jesus. Mm. He's not just a reflection, but he is fully revealed. So when it says he is the image of the invisible God, Mm -hmm. when he says the invisible God, they know who he's talking about. Right. Because again, he's making no bones about, he's not into plurality. Right. He's not into multiple gods. One true God coming in the form of Jesus Christ and... When he says the image of the invisible God, then boom, the Greek words immediately, okay, he's not just talking about a reflection. Mm -hmm. Now, he is talking about that, the likeness, but he's also talking about the manifestation Mm. of Jesus being revealed as fully God. Right. And that wasn't just an idea that was different. That Mm. was, again, they they had convicted Jesus. They had... They had... Uh, thrown accusations at him that he was blasphemous that he would say those things right that that he you know not only was he sent by God but the spirit of God fully indwelt him right how dare you say that and Paul's going on to say no that's the truth right this is the full image right. of the invisible God so good and when he says the invisible God I mean I know he's writing to believers but that almost gives a context that he's trying to reach out beyond that mm-hmm to those who maybe believe in God, but not the one true God. Exactly. Now, there's another interesting aspect there where he calls Jesus the firstborn over all creation. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we um, not to be construed with saying that Jesus was a created being. He was right. not. We know That's the right. beginning was the Word, Word was with God, the Word was Jesus, yep. uh, or was God. Uh, but firstborn over all creation, this speaks to the, the Jewish audience. When they read that, they go, firstborn son, they have the the priority in all the blessings. Everything that is the Father's is the Son's. Again, this reinforces the aspect, Jesus is not just some guy. Yep. He's not just a created being that's out there that did some good stuff. He is the firstborn, which means there's a um, authority that comes with that, yeah. within everything. And then he goes into it, for by him um, all things were created that in heaven and earth. Uh, and he continues on with some other stuff, but in Jesus, everything was created. Yep. Nothing else could be done. And again, the early heresy was saying that, well, there were angels that were involved in the creation <laughs> right. of the earth, and these spiritual beings were doing stuff. And it almost comes into some modern Wicca stuff where it's, we're worshiping creation yep. rather than the creator himself. Who and is. some other religions and other cults that put their focus on, you know, not mentioning one by name, but <laughs> one that almost worships an angel who came and visited an individual. Yeah. And that angel is on top of a building, yeah. their building. Exactly. And now everything's going through that lens. You know, when he said firstborn, also, you know, another aspect of that, Dallas, is the ancient prophecies that had prophesied the firstborn of all creation. Exactly. That didn't just start in Colossians. Mm-hmm. That wording and terminology went all through the all the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and the minor and major prophets all prophesied about the one who would come. Right. And that terminology of firstborn was used, as was son of David. It would come through the line of David, as was the line of the king of Judah. It would come through Judah. Right. All those ancient prophecies... Paul's simply stating Jesus is the fulfillment right. of all those prophecies. And when we talk about for by him all things were created, you know, when we think about creation itself, I just returned from uh, uh, out west, mm-hmm. and I was sitting at the base of the Grand Tetons. Mm. And we went to Yellowstone. We saw that. It was amazing, man. Buffalo everywhere, you know, bison, elk, real wildlife, not a zoo. Right. (laughs) Don't get out of your car. Don't get 
because a lady actually got killed I while remember, we were there. Yeah. She thought, oh, look, this is a Disney buffalo. Let me walk up to him. <laughs> He's going to talk to me. Really, I think that things like that have misconstrued people's minds yeah. to think that animals are humans. Yeah, this is not Pocahontas lady. Yeah, and she got up to like three feet, and it came Man, at her so and terrible. ended up killing her. Well, well, when we think about, like Yellowstone was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of activity going on. There was a lot of stuff. We get to the Tetons. And someone from Montana had told me before we went there, if you go to the Tetons, I'm just going to tell you, when your feet hit the soil, you're going to feel like the presence of God. And this person, I'm not even sure they were a believer. Mm. And we get to this lake called String Lake, and, man, it was cold. It had been (laughs) snowing. The mountains were snow-capped. And we sat on the bank of this little lake and stuck our feet in the water. And I just looked up at these mountains. And I was like, how in the world could anyone sit here and look, just take a moment, not just to swim and walk by this, but take a moment and look at all this and go, there's not a God. Mm. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And so when, when you said, Hey, we're going to do this. And and then Colossians one was going to fall right here. That's all I could think of for in him, all things were created, not just the beings, right. But in all things, all things, and then I begin to think about, you know, there are more insects in one square mile of land than there are human beings on the entire earth. Yeah. One square mile. <laughs> A single human chromosome contain, contains 20 billion bits of information. Mm. Like a single chromosome, 20 billion bits of information. If, if written... In an ordinary book, in an ordinary language, it would take about 4,000 volumes Wow! for one human chromosome. So when Paul says, again, he's bringing everything back to Jesus, mm-hmm. and he really is trying to get them to see the enormity right. of not just creation, but how badly they have been deceived, mm-hmm. how, how minimalistic the Gnostics had made God. Yeah. And how trivial they had made God. Right. And now he's bringing them back to the expanse of how right. enormous yeah. God is. He's almost, he's, he's almost looking at them going, how minimized has your faith become? Right. <laughs> like you have brought God down to this, and God is this massive expanse. Look, and look at what he did fully through one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was prophesied. Yeah, yeah. The ancient prophecies prophesied he would come. And I, yeah, uh, <laughs> so awesome. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's crazy. And then he goes on verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that all things he may have preeminence. What is this telling us about Jesus' role in the church itself? Yeah, so, uh, um, you know, in Ephesus... Uh, you know, in Ephesians, it mm. talks about um, uh, the fivefold ministry. It talks about the body. Right. It talks about who is the head of that body. Mm-hmm. We are the body. Jesus is the head of that body. Mm-hmm. Uh, this goes all the way back to the vineyard, the vine, the branches. Right. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. We have to stay connected to him. The father is the vine dresser. Mm. He's over everything. Right. But we we have to stay connected to the vine. So when it talks about Jesus being the head of the body, it's his body. Right. Like this right here, 
you're going to identify me by this because there are other people in the world that have my body type. Right. There are other people in the world who have tattoos on their body. Mm-hmm. There are other people who have markings on their body like I do. But when you look at me, you're not looking at all that. You're looking at my face. Mm-hmm. You're looking at my head. Right. That's the identifier of all that. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing is that when people look at the body they don't see the body. Right. They should see Jesus. Exactly. He's the head. Right. And if and if he is the face and he is the head, then the body's minimalized. Exactly. In everything. Because everything goes to him. Mm. And that's the that's the best way I've I've learned how to describe it. Yeah, is yeah. that my identifier is my head. It's my face. Yeah. yeah. That's how people see me. Mm. And then my body is simply just a confirmation of this. Right. And so in the body of Christ, the way I see it is that we as the body, we're just a confirmation of Jesus. Mm. The fruit of the Spirit comes out of our life. That's just a confirmation of the head. Right. Right? The brain, the head, the face. Um, and and the, the head is what drives everything else. Mm. Uh, the head is the only reason everything else exists. Yeah, yeah. Right? Absolutely. So good. Man, there's so much here that we can go into. And... <laughs> Try to make this a, a podcast. That's, um, we weren't. We're not 15 minutes, are we? I don't know what we're at right now. <laughs> Verse 20, 19 through 23 um, gets into an interesting conversation about Jesus's uh, role in reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Which again, this goes back to a conversation about how we are saved. Why is this the thing that takes place? Um, Verse 19 and 20 uh, says, uh, "For it pleases it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell." And by him uh, to reconcile into things to himself by him, uh, whether things on earth or things in heaven, ha- um, having made peace through the blood of the cross. You had some interesting thoughts about the term fullness, which um, I want you to dive into because that's a, that's a point of conversation about what does this mean to the fullness that dwells in the, the dwells because that, there's even some conversation of that possibly this com- word of fullness is being used by the heretics to mean yep. something else. Yeah. What is this fullness? It was used by the Gnostics. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the, the Greek word, uh, pleroma, I think is that it's P L E R O M A. Mm. And it was another way to say that Jesus is fully God, mm-hmm. truly God, full, the fullness going back to that word image, mm. likeness and manifestation. Right. But plurama was also used by the Gnostics to express the sum total of the divine powers. Mm. So they would try to use the same word to say, no, 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 the different levels of powers, quote unquote, and Christ is just one of those, right? One of those levels. Mm -hmm. But in totality, pleroma. But when he uses this word, fullness should dwell, that word dwell in some terminology in scripture means temporary dwelling. Mm. But in this particular instance, the root word means permanent dwelling. Right. He's saying Christ is the permanent dwelling right. of the fullness of God. Mm. We won't be fully like him, fully, mm-hmm. pleroma, fully, until we see him as he is and we shall be known as we are, full likeness in his glory for all of eternity. That's when we get the fullness of and the dwelling. Mm. Now we're indwelt by a spirit, but there's not a fullness to that yet. There's not a totality to that yet. Mm-hmm. Why? Because there was only one who could have the fullness and right. the totality. And that was Christ, right? The fullness of God, the manifestation of God here on the earth. Right. And so uh, I think it's interesting 
that Gnostics would use that same word, and I don't think that was by mistake. <laughs> um, but Paul points out that all power, singular, mm-hmm. where Gnostics use plural, mm. powers, Paul uses singular. Right. All power, definitive. Done. <laughs> done is found in the deity of Christ. Right. And that's where it's almost like the Gnostics tried to be definitive, but they never were. Their own language mm-hmm. even denied what they were trying to say. Right. And we find that in today's world. When somebody is in a false religion or a cult or anything like that, their own language betrays what they're trying to say. Yeah. Because that language will always come out. Mm-hmm. Their belief will always come out. And that which is counter to the word of God will always be revealed in what they say because out of the heart, the mouth Speaks. Speaks. <laughs> and so it's all revealed in its time. And I think that's one of the things that Paul is trying to deal with in in his wording and what he's saying mm-hmm. is definitively breaking down the heresies that the Gnostics were trying to impart right. to the people in Colossae. Absolutely. And what's interesting is, again, it's the divineness, the fullness of God is in Christ, making him divine. And yet then he goes into talk about Jesus' work on the cross divinely he died for us the divine died for us and was was resurrected for us this is showing like there was a lot of work that went into our redemption and yep. jesus did that as fully man and fully god at the same time um and he even talks about how uh, verse one and you once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now he has reconciled you he's pointing yep. out the fact he's like look you were evil Like, you were an enemy of God, and Jesus, who was fully divine, fully human, died for you. Which was counter to the Gnostics. They never said you were an enemy of anything. You Mm -hmm. weren't alienated. You weren't. You were just kind of bad. Right. You're just bad. (laughs) Your flesh was bad. Your spirit was was okay, but your your flesh constantly was bad. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Then we get into 24 and 29. This is where Paul makes another interesting shift because he's talking about Jesus as being um, his primacy in in creation, his importance in creation, his importance in the church, and then our salvation. But then his actual work uh, as a a person, how Jesus was important in his ministry. Um, He goes verse 24, And now I rejoice... In my sufferings for you and filling up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. What is he talking about here in this section here, Pastor? Well, I mean, it. he's going back to the sacrifice mm-hmm. of genuinely following Christ and believing right. this gospel. Right. That's why he lays out, I mean, you want to talk about theology. Mm-hmm. Verse 1 through 24, mm-hmm. that's some of the best theology you're ever going to hear. Absolutely. Preeminence of Jesus, the deity of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, redemption, mm-hmm. atonement. He covers all of it. Right. And then now he's really, um, he, he's really, now, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. Again, he's not the one who started it. Right. But yet he's telling them that what he's going through is on their benefit too. Right. What he's dealing with. Uh, and the suffering that's being caused to him as a minister of the gospel. He talks about that a couple different times, being ministers of the gospel. Right. Is that for them, for the saints, it's not about me. And we know that about Paul's writings. Right. I'm being poured out as a drink offering, and I long to be with you, and I long to see you. And I, and most of these people he had never even seen before or met before. Right. But because he was a minister of the gospel and presented the gospel, then now we are a part of a body mm. 
because Gnostics didn't believe in necessarily that whole premise of a body. Right. You know, you were just kind of your own individual, mm -hmm. and then there's a quote-unquote collective in the powers, mm -hmm. and yet Paul is breaking all that down saying, no, 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 as believers in Christ, we're all part of body. He's exactly. the head. Right. We don't have levels up here. There's no powers. There's no divine beings. Mm -hmm. There's one, right. the head, Jesus, who is fully revealed right. through the Father and in the will of the Father. Right. Man, all these things, again, I know we just have one chapter, <laughs> but it's like he he is leading up to these certain things that he's saying. Exactly. And when he says it to us, especially in America, we're looking at it as one paragraph or one sentence. Right. But he is literally already built a foundation on this entire household. And in this one paragraph, he's saying something that could, that could free entire neighborhoods, entire right. families, enti yeah. an entire region. Absolutely. In this one paragraph and when he talks about the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body which is the church meaning that not only did Christ suffer but we're going to have to suffer too yeah exactly now, and when we do we're not just suffering for nothing right which was one of the things that the gnostics also believed in was almost like self harm yeah. flagellation yeah. was a big deal it was all about self harm for yourself that's right and Paul's like that's not what the suffering is and again he's just laying the groundwork into like the actual conversation. We'll get next week when we get into chapter two, he's going to really deal with these subjects, but he's laying down the groundwork. And again, I talked about this last week. It's not a matter of him just going, no, 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 this is wrong, but he's going, let me show you the truth. And in this opening chapter, uh, he's just laying down the groundwork of this is the truth of who Christ is, yep. his role in our lives and how things play out. He is important in all of creation. He's important to the church itself. He's important uh, for your personal salvation. And he is important in my ministry yep. because his suffering is the reason why we do this whole thing. And I love the fact he's not taking 14 chapters to talk about the Gnostics <laughs> theology. Exactly. He's simply laying out the theology. Exactly. And he's not go he's not talking about false gods. He's not talking about false prophets, false apostles. He's not talking about everything they're talking about. Mm -hmm. He's simply going, this is the truth. And I think what ends up happening with us, Dallas, is we end up getting in so many conversations. Mm. We're not even talking about Jesus anymore. Exactly. We're not even talking talking about true theology, biblical foundational theology right. that sets people free right. because we get caught up in arguments about what somebody else believes rather than just stating the truth right. and preaching the goodness of God. Which is sad because, you know, some people will say, like, I'm not really into theology. If theology <laughs> means the study of God, theology is not the study of how to argue. Right. And that's the problem is people get in the mindset, well, I just want to know what's wrong with you. Yeah. No, no. Theology is me going, let me know what God is all about. And it's not just the study of information. No. It's it's the impact in our lives and how we walk that's it out. Right. And then even even <laughs> Paul toward the end of this chapter, and I know it was written in more of a narrative and we broke it down into chapters and all right. that. But when he when he says again, he goes back to the to them God willed. He's going back to the will of God mm. to make known the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles. Now he brings the Gentiles in. Mm. Because now he's saying, God filled the Gentiles. Talk about a miracle. Right. I mean, that's unclean. That's, But because of this theology, because of this truth, even the Gentiles mm. receive this truth. And he says, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In him we preach, warn, mm. teach, 
right? Mm-hmm. Every man in all wisdom that why we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus to this end, I labor and I strive according to his working, which works in me mightily. So not only is he talking about the Lord working in him, mm-hmm. he even talks about the Lord working in them, right. in you right. is the hope of glory, Christ Jesus right. in you. And here's what you need to do. Preach, warn, teach. Right. You need to do that. Yes, I'm an apostle. Right. You are a believer. You are a follower of Jesus. You have been washed in the blood. You have been redeemed. God willed it that you would have an opportunity to come into relationship with him. God made an opportunity fully likeness and manifestation through Jesus. Right. And I'm telling you, Colossians 1, theologically, Mm. yes, the Bible, the whole Bible, (laughs) I get it. But, man, there are just some times where maybe you forget, and I'm like this too. I read something, and I'm like, man, that was good, but I forget how rich, how deep. Like even as we've been talking, and we both had prepared stuff, Mm -hmm. right? We're not just going in cold. (laughs) But just as you and I were walking through this, man, It's like the Lord just reminding me of how deep, how rich, not just his word, Mm -hmm. but the theology, Mm -hmm. the foundational truths of redemption and sanctification and reconciliation and atonement and healing and sacrifice and suffering. Yeah, Man, suffering is horrible and nobody wants to do it. But when it's in Christ, we get to fellowship. We get to feel a part of that suffering and what it means to really be grounded in the truth and right. go through suffering right. and come on the other side of that suffering. So good. We get to fellowship with the sufferings. And when we get to fellowship with the sufferings, to me, that's when we fully understand the fullness mm. of God. So good. The fullness of God, not just likeness. Mm but manifestation. Yeah, absolutely. So good. Ooh, so what's your, you're like, Hey, this is my big takeaway for chapter one. I feel like you're giving it, but what is your big shot takeaway? I don't know, man. <laughs> I, so I really cheer. don't. I, I don't even want to put it down as one thing. <laughs> right. I just, I think that the way that it unfolded and the way we've unpacked this definitely was inspired by the Holy spirit. Oh yeah. But I believe that the way we unpack this is like, this really is Yes, there's one truth that's all leading to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? The fullness of God right? Uh, in the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Right. That's where Paul's getting to. Yeah, He's like, this, this heresy that has come and you are hearing is the polar opposite of the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, these levels, these powers, this, 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 self-harm, flagellation, right. works, all this stuff, this right. mystical... Um, you know, legalistic Judaism with Gnosticism, with a form of Christianity mm-hmm. and a form of godliness, denying the power thereof, the, all that right. stuff. No, no, no. It is the fullness of God in Christ Jesus. And now in him, right. all of these things are available to you. So good. Now preach that, <laughs> warn about this other, right. and then teach these precepts and these concepts. So good. For me, this this is helping for me for a little bit as a young man. You've heard the story. Um, new in the Lord, just, I mean, brand new in the Lord. I almost joined a cult as a young man, Mm. but then I, as I studied them out, as I looked into them and I began to realize 
they didn't even match up this criteria. I, now I didn't, I hadn't fully read Colossians, but they were still checking my spirit. But the reality was, they had a in, they had a corrupt view of Christ. They didn't see him as in the role of creation like they should. They didn't see his uh, supremacy in the church as they should be seeing him. They didn't see him even in their reconciliation, their own salvation, in the work out out of that sucker. Uh, it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And so for us, whenever we're we're trying to find a place of fellowship, we're trying to find a place to to connect. We, we would love for you guys to be here at the Healing Place. I really feel like we, we hit all these points real well here at the Healing Place. Uh, <laughs> but wherever you're at, because we have a lot of people, man, we have people that listen to us. They're in Washington State, they're in Kentucky, they're in Arizona, all kinds of places. And you're trying to find a place. If the place you're fellowshipping does not hit these points, you need to ask yourself, is this a place I need to be? Because that is one of the biggest weapons of the enemy is the need for all of us to belong. Mm-hmm. We all have it. Yeah. And it wasn't given to us by the enemy. It was given to us by God. Right. We all have an innate desire to to belong, mm-hmm. to have relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and not just to belong, but to belong to something that's much bigger than us. Yeah. Where the Gnostic would come in and say... No, mm. I don't want to be a part of something bigger than I am. I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gnosticism. I am. Exactly. The gospel of Jesus. I am that I am. Right. You are not. Right. <laughs> but because of me, you get to be a part of something mm. so much bigger than you. Right. You're not the head, but you do get to be a part of the body. Exactly. And I think that. Well, maybe that's my takeaway. I don't know, but I, I do know that a lot of people have been led astray out of that need to belong. Right. People have become what they were never created to be. Mm-hmm. They've been identified as something they were never created to be. Right. Because of a sense of belonging. Right. I need to belong. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you've had young men in inner cities become a part of gangs. Yeah. Because that's my family. Exactly. I want to belong. Mm-hmm. And that's where the enemy comes in and says, hey, if we can take advantage of that want to belong, we can get them to come in here, we can control them, mm-hmm. then we can make them do whatever we want them to do. Exactly. And Paul is saying, I don't want you to do what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. I want you to do what the gospel says. Right. I want you to understand the truth. Right. And I don't want you to do it for me. Mm-hmm. I want you to just go out and tell the world. Yeah, exactly. Just tell the world this truth. Exactly. I don't want to control you. Right. I don't want. I don't want you to walk around talking about Paul or mm-hmm. preaching Paul. He said, "Follow me as I follow Christ." That's right. It all goes back Preach to preach Christ and Him crucified, right. man, all day long. The power of the cross, but more than that, don't just preach Him on the cross, mm. but you preach Him as resurrected. He is right. a resurrected Savior, and now. You get to be a part of something so much bigger because now your spirit bears witness with his spirit that you are children of God. So good. Well, guys, there's a lot that's taking place today. A lot of great conversation. We hope it's encouraged you. It's challenged you. If we can pray with you, reach out to us. We want to hear from you guys. Um, if we can help you take your next step with God, let us know like, what yep. is going on in your life. Uh, follow us on social media, uh, Facebook. Just look for Midweek Move. And um, do us a favor. If you feel like this will, sh- uh, will encourage somebody, challenge somebody share it out with them don't yeah. blindly share it out like pray about it you know hey who needs to know about this yeah and share it with them until next time guys have a great week Bye.